Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, Brendan McCullum, Ben Stokes and the rest of the English cricket team have taken another victory on their road to reinvigorating test cricket and turning around the fortunes of their proud cricketing nation with the Barmy Army in full force at, and in full voice at Bay Oval. Stuart Broad and James Anderson dismantled the Black Caps with the pink ball. Broad took four for 49 and... Anderson, uh, four for 18. The 267 run defeat, yeah, 267 run defeat uh, brings with it plenty of questions and concerns for the Black Caps and fans ahead of the second test in Wellington starting on Friday. Well, uh, man, uh, providing uh, expert uh, commentary, analysis for us uh, over the last uh, three or four days on behalf of Spark Sport as uh, former Black Caps uh, captain, successful captain he was too. Um, and I'm sure just a little bit concerned at the moment. Good morning, Stephen Fleming. G'day, Smitty. I, I am concerned, but I'm concerned about you. How are you doing up there? No, I'm fine. Um, I'm fine. My family fine. My friends are fine. But we're we're not in the hot seat. Uh, we're in Havelock North, uh, which is uh, has suffered a bit, but it's so far removed. Uh, even it's only 20 minutes away from uh, where a lot of the devastation is still being uh, uncovered, Stephen. So uh, we won't know. I don't think it's been about a week. It's coming up a week uh, since that storm. Uh, and I don't quite know yet how deeply uh, how deeply they they realise uh, the impact of it. They're still finding things out. So otherwise, uh, we we just got to get on with it. And that, that uh, I guess means um, for you in particular, anyway, uh, casting your eye over a test match that didn't go well for us. Can, can I go back to uh, the first afternoon? Team selection, toss decision. Bearing in mind the conditions, you were there. You saw the pitch. Did we do the right thing by asking them to bat in the daylight first? Yeah, it was a real tough one. I was at, out there in the middle actually with Mark Richardson and we debated it quite a while and it was one of those ones we, we almost gave it that we want to lose it. There was definitely some moisture in the surface. There was definitely a, a case for bowling. Uh, and then you also had to factor in what would that do to the, the certain timings. And I don't, what I don't think when Tim Southey won the toss and bowl, I don't think he envisaged being batting that night, even if it had gone okay with a scoring rate of around about three it's sort of still in no man's land, so it would have been a good performance if New Zealand had had the bat in hand. That meant they would have bowled them out. What they didn't envisage was uh, England going on their merry way and feasting on some pretty bad bowling, which then gave the, uh, the the opportunity for England to bowl at the optimal times. Could we have done anything different with our, our playing eleven uh, on the evidence that you saw of the conditions? Well, I don't think so. I, I think obviously the Trent Bolt shadow loomed large, uh, and then losing Jameson and Henry, it, it was um, it, it was pretty unsettled going into that 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 Test match. I think they probably uh, chose without looking at more domestic form. They chose a couple of players that they had possibly had their eyes on for some time. Uh, but it's always difficult when you're introducing two new bowlers, two debutants into an attack against a pretty aggressive England side, it was always going to be a challenge. So I think they were hamstrung a little bit, but, yeah, that would be something that they would have to review. Uh, the way the England playing Test cricket now, uh, Stephen, I think the whole world knew that they were going to come at us, uh, whether they rolled for 100 or whether they rolled for, or not rolled for 325 for nine. 
uh, 58.2 overs. I mean, we, we knew the tactics. How do you think uh, we counted them um, in terms of our strategies? We fed the beast, Smithy, I reckon, and then maybe that was just a little bit of nerves. Tim Southey was uh, was good, as we knew he would be, but then the nerves and the uh, the, the first couple of spells from Tickner and Kugelon and Wagner as well, the first two overs from Wagner were very loose and in, in, a, in a different role for him with the new ball. So there was quite a bit of change, having Wagner take the new ball. His first delivery was a beauty. After that, it was uh, it was pretty wide. Yeah, pretty loose, and it just gave England the opportunity to, to go on their merry way. Yeah, they were going to be aggressive, and one of the opportunities that lies within that is to try and tie them up and see how long they can stay patient for it, something that teams haven't been able to do. Mm. And it was something that I was looking forward to. I thought the discipline of a New Zealand bowling attack would test their patience, even if there wasn't a huge amount of assistance in the wicket. But we didn't do neither. We, we didn't extract enough out of the the conditions in the first hour and we were just too short and wide. Harry Brook was a great example. I think he had about 10 boundaries on the offside and only a couple of singles straight. So there was a lack of adjustment and a lack of accuracy in what they were trying to do. Where do you sit on the the Trent Bolt side of things? I mean, it was one of the big talking points, particularly when Jameson pulled out, particularly when Matt Henry wasn't available. It was almost like an SOS call to a bloke, supposedly, who's just living down the road. Where, Where did you sit on all that palaver? Well, my initial feeling was you've got to put your best players out. You've, you've got to let the public and good crowd, you've got to say, well, great crowds that attended the three days, you, you've got to let them see New Zealand's best players operating and uh, and the contest would have been better for it. The other issues, of course, is the New Zealand team went, as a past player, went to Pakistan and did Christmas there and, and, and committed to that and did some yards uh, while Trent chose another direction. So there, there, is, there was arguments both ways about moving forward, whether you can pick and choose what series you want to be available for, whether that, based on your sort of personal setup or in principle, um, it's an honour to play for the Black Caps and it's, um, it's a privilege to do so. So there were, these were the discussions that were going around. And I really struggled to, to get a, a real fix on it, Smithy. On one hand, I wanted to see Bolt there, but I could also hear the the other side of things where picking and choosing where you want to play where it suits doesn't sit quite well either. So I think it's a very difficult situation. Would I have liked to have seen Bolt there purely playing in England? Yes, of course I would. It makes New Zealand a better side. It makes the players a better side. It might mean that England wouldn't have been batting if our run rate had been so even if he didn't take wickets. We might have had a bit more control. So therefore England wouldn't have been able to dictate the timings for the rest of the test, which they did very well. So, look, from a pure playing point of view, yes, 100% I would have loved to have seen Bolt there. Right, we get to the halfway point, and thanks to uh, Tom Blundell's excellent uh, test match 100, and he's developing into a hell of a player. Uh, the deficit yeah. is only 19 runs, uh, and then Stuart Broad cut loose, and um, he just kept hitting the timber, um, which is quite unusual when you look at a, a pretty accomplished top order to just see them all getting bowled. How did you read that? Well, I read it. I, what, I, what I was disappointed with, and there hasn't been much attention, there's been a lot of attention how England managed to, to bowl at the best times. Well, New Zealand had a, an unbelievable opportunity um, through that blunder innings of putting England under pressure at night. And we didn't take it again. There, there was a movement there for England on days one and three, but day two night, there should have been enough there to create some problems. And it's pretty much a bit parody once Blunder was out, and we had a real opportunity then to knock three, maybe four of the English top order over and go into the next day with a chance of uh, of, of keeping England 
down to a, a poultry score and dictate terms a little bit more. But we let that slip. And while there's been a lot of focus on how well England bowled during that time, I think you've got to say we let a big opportunity go by not being good enough that night either to, to move the test back in our favour so that we could have batted it a better time of day. And then perhaps when England were bowling on the third night, the ball would have been a bit softer and then Stuart Broad wouldn't have gone on that run. He's a great bowler, there's no doubt about it. Mm. And the ability to, to bowl some of our top players, you're talking world-class players here, uh, with very good deliveries on the third night of a test match was um, was one of those spells that he has done it in the past. He's gone on some real heaters um, and even eight for I remember back in the UK and, and fours and fives where he just gets hot and he was a hot hand that night and he really showed the, the New Zealand bowlers in particular what to do and how to do it. All right, two other areas um, of concern uh, just looking in from the, the outside for me anyway. The form of Henry Nichols. I mean, we all know what a crucial spot number four is um, for any Test match side. Um, usually it's one of your, your prime batsmen as such, Stephen. Uh, he's anything but that form-wise at the moment. What do we do there? Well, what, what do you do and what will they do? Henry Nichols has, has played for a spot a number of times. He played, got 100 in Wellington um, a while back when he was being questioned. He got 100 again against South Africa in Christchurch where his spot was under pressure. I think they will stick. They will look for one game and, and see what happens. They've been pretty conservative with selections over the past few years. They will probably roll him out one more time. Uh, but he but he does get a bit flaky. It is a little bit hot and cold when he's on. He's he's very good, but uh, unfortunately when he's off, he's he is very off. So the two extremes they need more from him. Um, Will Young sitting there biding his time. So there is an option uh, if they wanted to replace him. But my gut feel is that they'll stick with him for one more test. What about the Bracewell option as the lone spinner? Um, uh, that is of concern to me. We, this, this, and Stephen, we've been doing this show for hmm, coming up to uh, two years now, and one of the biggest talking points or texting issues from is what about our spin bowling situation? Here we had a guy yeah. not that long ago, got ten wickets in an innings, and now we're playing um, on a pitch which has uh, over the years helped a little bit uh, with a guy who's been been around five minutes. Is that just batting insurance? Well, it probably is, um, but you look back sort of over the five years, the method they used with being very successful was the, the greenish type surface and making some big headways with the, the, the big seam attack. So they have sort of pushed that spinner roll right down in the priority list, given the conditions that were bowling on and the success that were, they were having. Games on Mount Monganui sort of suggest that development is now starting to hurt us, or lack of development uh, or lack of tactic, because when you do get in a situation, let's keep in mind, if that test had gone into today, then it would have been almost a perfect wicket, a little bit seen throughout the first three games, and then it was starting to turn, and we would have been found out. That just having an off-spinner as, as your main uh, spinning attack is risky. Nathan Lyon does it very well for Australia. He's an exceptional bowler and has a great record doing it a number of years, but just having a, a, an off-spinner is the only option it does limit the, the amount you can attack. So even though a spinner is playing in Bracewell, it's still used in quite a defensive way. So they have to go back and look at the Basin Reserve. What has been their, their mode there? Again, they're probably going to go back to that heavy seam attack. They're going to look maybe to bowl first. They might they might put a bit of water on it and say, hey, let's just, let's just have a bowl off and see if we can get our bowling um, a little bit better and then just try and back our batters to be a little bit more circumspect, better at playing a seaming delivery than a... Um, an ultra-aggressive England lineup that could be a tactic, a positive tactic they could use, but it doesn't add up well for, 
uh, again for a spinner or developing spin again. So it's been a difficult period for the likes of Ajaz and, and East Sodi. They got a good run out in, in Pakistan, which was horses for courses, and he did well. But it's very hard when you're only getting a test here and there. Yeah, no, I totally agree uh, with that. Do you think uh, the way um, that Brendan and Ben Stokes are strategising this, and the players are, are implementing it too pretty pretty um, effectively, do you think they're trying to, um, in, a, in a way, they're confusing a lot of um, opposition strategies? Because uh, I know for a fact that, you know, when you and you're a, you're a coach, a very successful coach as well in terms of T20 cricket, but you do a lot of homework on individual players and, and you look at opposition players and you say, right, weakness here, weakness there, uh, field placings here, field placings there. But because it's a blanket attack that, that Brendan and Stokes are bringing, do you think we're getting a little bit blindfolded, a little bit confused over, the, over you know, the, the total approach as opposed to individuals? Yeah, I think there's a bit of that, and I think you could almost call it bluff ball. Um, we both know Brendan pretty well, and there's often a little bit of smoke and mirrors behind that, that positivity can mask it, uh, some nerves and some anxieties. And, and look, don't, don't get me wrong, they're playing a great brand of cricket, but there are big opportunities if you can, if you can find the method that slows them down. They're playing at such a pace. Look at Joe Root, for example. Joe Root, one of the most bizarre dismissals for one of the greatest batters that's ever played to come out and <laughs> reverse lap mm. two balls after Ollie Pope was dismissed. Now, that just doesn't add up. Even if you're trying to be ultra-aggressive, that sort of option-taking, it just sort of feels flawed. I'm trying to get my head around this new age of batting and, and what is the tempo at test cricket that these young guys are going to play at. It's definitely faster than, than our days, Smithy, but... Um, basic mistakes are basic mistakes. And if you're seeing a guy with 10,500 runs reverse sweeping the over before T and, and two balls after a, a, a guy's got out, to me it still screams opportunity. So you've got to go back to your disciplines. Forget trying to have funky fields and, and work out where you're going to attack these guys. Just have a spot and keep it boring. Go back to being really simple but really accurate with what you do. So they don't get anything to feed off, the batters in particular, and they then have to create. And I think you're going to see some outlandish dismissals at some point when a team is able to put mm. them under pressure. Because they've had their way now for a longish period of time, it's really um, it's created a, an expectation within that camp that this is the pace we have to play at as well. And they haven't really been tested to a point where what is our, what is our other mode if we do get in trouble? Is it to double down or do we have the, the ability to pull back and absorb? And They've talked about it. Ben and, and Brennan have talked about their ability to absorb pressure, but they haven't had to do it for some time now. So I think there's an opportunity within that. Well, you've mentioned that you don't uh, perceive uh, being too many personnel changes from the Black Caps because they are uh, a relatively conservative bunch. Um, you always uh, seem, seems to get uh, one more chance than a lot of sides from overseas. But uh, Matt Henry, perhaps coming back into the mix, surely that will help in terms of consistency and, and line and length and a little bit more experience. But uh, other than that, not much, uh, not much difference you feel. And on a typical base and reserve pitch, which I, I would imagine will help for a while. Yeah, I think so, Smithy. The question mark is who he would come in for, Henry. Tickner and Kugelheim both sort of had moments without um, without tearing the house down. It's, it would be interesting to see who they felt was the uh, the better bowler or the better option, whether Kugelheim with a bit more pace and shock, but then Tickner was up in the, the mid-140s uh, and it's the last spell that he bowled. So they were both getting into their work and getting better as the test went on. So that'll be an interesting one as to who 
uh, who they decide will miss out if, if Matt Henry is available and comes in. He will provide some stability and some uh, expertise with that new ball, and that will mean that Wagner can go back to... Or maybe Wagner, Wagner's been so good, they might even look at Wagner, the way they, he got played in the, in the last test, but he's been so good for so long in that role, which is probably been taking up the spinner's role by bowling short and aggressive. He's bowled the overs that a spinner would normally bowl. So, look, they'll, they'll go back to kind, I think, and, and just fit Matt Henry in. We'll have to wait and see who they, they fit him in for and then try and get back to the blueprint that serves them pretty well, although it's, it's well and truly under pressure now. Um, Pro-Am this year for you? You're lining up again? Yeah, I am, Smithy. Yep, it's a, um, it's, it's a week that I look forward to. I don't look forward so it was massive excitement. It's a bit of trepidation, and the game is not in shape. I've heard you're hitting a few balls around uh, around the place in the after a, a long bit of exile, self-imposed exile. Sexy, I have, but I have. I've, I've been waiting for Michael Glading and John Hart to ring, but they just never do, Flynn. They just never do. But that's okay. Hey, um, absolute pleasure to talk to you, mate. Uh, it's been a long time, so uh, thanks for your expertise. Uh, I know you're 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 great mates of Brendan, and um, behind the scenes, you'll be having a lot of fun over this. But um, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how we bounce back. Traditionally, we do we do bounce back. So, and the Basin Reserve has been kind to us. Let's just hope it is. Cheers, buddy. Th- travel safe. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Take care of there. Thanks, mate.